is the redemption episode the redemption episode and i feel like this is like the number one episode we should bring our a-game for yes apart from our first episode which (laughs) we did not bring our a-game for right that was really awkward and uh look at where we are now now we're gonna give this movie the justice it deserves yeah but for for real, real question, mm-hmm. how does it feel knowing that we've recorded 100 episodes? I thought you were going to say 1,000. <laughs> I'll feel better when we hit 1,000. That's so many That's years so many. away. Are there even 1,000 movies that we could talk about? I think we could find 1,000. Okay. I think we could make it work. Okay. I'm a little disappointed. I expected more enthusiasm for you, from you for 100 episodes, but... Uh, uh, it's not as good as 1,000. Well, okay, but, like, it's better <laughs> than, like, 20 it's than the first... not 1,000. O- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you I'll be here. excited when we get to 1,000 episodes. Caitlin is not excited about our 100th episode. Are you I'm, excited? Yeah, I'm very excited. It's a big deal. That's like the fir- that's like the first mile mark. That's milestone. not even one a day for a year. Okay, but that's if we had recorded consistently, that's a little over two years worth. That's pretty cool. Say it like well, that. Well, a little next time. under two years worth. Say it like that next time of weekly. Maybe episodes. I'll get excited. <laughs> it's only taken us like three years to get here. Okay. Well, so, that part's not exciting. <laughs> no, because we're bad at the whole weekly thing. Right. Can't watch guess, a bad movie every week. I mean, we do, <laughs> <laughs> even whether we record or not. We probably watch at least two bad movies a week. Sometimes we watch like four at a time. Yeah, that's true. We should start calling this bad movie double date night. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. No. I was thinking like, you know, like a play bad, on double features yeah. or whatever. Double feature date night. Double feature date night. That's a good one. Spin off go. podcast. Starting now. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Bad Movie Date Night, the podcast in which we take a serious look at bad films and genre films, and we hopefully give them the credit that they deserve. I'm Nigel from AJourneyIntoFilm.com, and with me is my faithfully awesome wife, Caitlin. Hello. Who's been with me through 100 episodes. It is babe, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, so I have a confession to make. Okay. I put a poll on Twitter and I asked people, what did you want us to do for 100 episodes? And apparently the few people who listened to us did not vote because no one said anything. I said, you know what? I'm willing to try some new and exciting things. 
I'm also willing to go back and uh, kind of do some nostalgia, kind of do some redemption, mm-hmm. redo our first episode. And uh, since nobody voted, I said, well, I'm going to just redo our first episode because that seems because I'm lazy <laughs> and that just Easy. seems the easiest way out for a hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. I've been uh, a little tired recently. With this yeah, podcast. a little tired. Yeah. Hey, we'll get there. Well, we'll talk about that at the end. So that being said, we are here to redo our first episode with 1987's Chopping Mall. Our, the movie that kicked it off for both of our bad movie obsession. Yeah. And I, the more I got to thinking about it, the more I said, you know what? This is actually perfect for two reasons. Three reasons, actually. One, because I think Chopping Mall was the first was one of the first movies that I started to question the line between bad movies and horror comedies. So we can kind of address that since we did rewatch it recently and kind of reevaluated that. Two it ties in with the way that I want to talk about this movie ties in with the underlying philosophy to my blog, a journey into film in three. I thought of a kind of like a uh, subtopic of sorts to tie into the horror comedy thing that I wanted to get to. And I guess I wanted to, I'm just going to keep pref like this whole podcast is just going to be prefaces for our conversation to the end. We discovered this movie from another podcast that we listened to in which three famous comedians slash actors talk about quote unquote bad movies. And the original intention of that podcast was to determine why Hollywood would let these movies get made. Can you guess the name of the podcast? Yeah, I'm trying really hard not to just say (laughs) the name of the podcast. And I've actually stopped listening to this podcast because of the conclusions that I've come to regarding the line between horror comedy and bad movies. Mm Mm-hmm. I... I get that's that's I I was on a roll and then we had to pause there for a second oh, and I'm now so I sorry. What I was saying. Here's where I want to begin. Mm-hmm. One, I have changed my mind on this movie. I used to declare this a bad movie. This is a horror comedy. This was intentionally made as a low budget, ha ha funny movie. You are looking at me like I you w- disagree. No, I would agree with that. You would agree with that? Mm-hmm. Because there are just too many... Like, no reasonable person sets out to make a bad movie. I think that's a fair thought. Unless you're one of these dumb college kids making... Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, haha, I'm going to make a bad movie. Right. But then you're just 
But then in those instances, I think what they're doing is they're make they're trying to recreate the feeling of watching a movie such as Chopping Mall. Because they're like, LOL, isn't that funny? Isn't that bad? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think the very first thing that should cue anyone off to this movie is the fact that Paul Bartell is in it, who plays uh, Mr. Bland <laughs> next to Mary Warrenoff. Mm-hmm. The very first comment that they make in the movie is that the robots look like the Three Stooges. Right. Right. That's not a reasonable comment that any person would make about robots. Right. Nothing about them looks like the Three Stooges. The same. Right. They're identical. That's the joke. Right. (laughs) And therein is your first hint that this is a horror comedy. Mm -hmm. Now, are there things that don't make sense? Yes. Why do the... Well... I think one thing that was done probably intentionally, but also unintentionally was the fact that the robots are super loud. Also, excuse me, I should be calling them killbots. Right. They're not robots. They're killbots. Sorry. <laughs> I know better. This being our favorite quote, bad movie. Sometimes the killbots are super loud. And other times, they apparently can sneak up on you without any warning. Yeah. So there's just, there's also weird stuff they, like that. I really liked your your thought that maybe they play that music when they're approaching people. Oh, yeah. I thought that really added to the film. I like to think that <laughs> next time you watch this movie, it, imagine that the Killbots theme, mm-hmm. like they're playing that while they drive around, you know, like. How do I say this without sounding offensive? Like some kind of inner city black SUV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. You know, when you've watched this movie a couple times, you uh you uh pick up on a couple things. <laughs> and so I'm trying to figure out like how to talk about this without sounding like up on like I'm on a soapbox and to you know, I want to hear you talk about things mm-hmm. also. But basically, I feel like there's this, uh, this like, it's not even really a, like a movement, but there's basically this like mindset that people have that, oh, this movie did something that was funny and therefore it is bad because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit within the framework of a horror movie. And so this is this is actually the top like one of the other topics that I wanted to talk about and that is expectations towards the horror genre. Like do you think that people see more bad again anytime I say bad I'm usually using air quotes. Right. It's unfortunate that people can't see it. <laughs> Do you think that people have like an unfair expectation towards the horror genre? And that is why when it falls into the horror comedy realm that they decide, oh, that that was played for comedy, but that's not what a horror movie should be. Therefore, it's bad. Yeah, I think 
<clears throat> two things. I think that horror still doesn't get a good rep in today. It's still kind of looked down upon in the film world. So it already has that against it. Mm-hmm. And then if you talk about a horror comedy, you have to, it has to be something almost completely like outlandish, like another scary movie. Right. It, it either has to, it has to like lean fully into the comedy, mm-hmm. but almost be like a parody of it to be considered a horror comedy. Right. Otherwise people, I think just look at films and say, Oh, that's just a bad movie. So I don't think that they're catching. No, that was just a comedy. Right. I think you have to be so intense, one or the other. Extreme horror or extreme comedy. Well, I think that... Okay, well, let's let's take a, a step back and like let's look at not just horror comedies, but it's kind of interesting that despite the fact that we have I'm using air quotes this time elevated horror Mm -hmm. which is a phrase that I hate Mm -hmm. so much and there I I know I've already mentioned this but there was a movie that used that phrase recently and I my eyes almost popped out of my head (laughs) rolling every time the characters use that term in the movie (laughs) because whether you're watching uh, The Witch or Witches of Eastwick, or Chopping Mall, or Blood mm-hmm. Diner, or Blood Feast, or any of them, guess what? They all have one thing in common. They're horror movies. That's right. It doesn't matter if one is smarter than, again, air quotes, smarter than the other. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's all part of the same genre. Mm-hmm. And I think this term of elevated horror or art house horror has become this kind of safety net so that people can talk about horror movies that they like without feeling any guilt or shame towards liking movies within the genre. Right. Cause it's, it's kind of sh- a shameful thing to like movies within the horror genre. Yeah. And both, yeah, the conservative and secular world. Yeah. Because you can you shouldn't like that. Right. There's no what's what's there to like about seeing it's, bodies it, chopped up and right. you know. It's bad storytelling, I think is how most people view it. Poor I think storytelling. I, I don't think well at least that's how it started, I feel like. I think that's part of it, but I also think people think that anything that's falls into a genre Mm-hmm. weirdly outside of fantasy for some reason. So like sci-fi and horror and even action like blockbusters, they look at it as it's like, it's a, it's about the spectacle more than it is the story. Mm-hmm. And if you like heads getting chopped off, then you are obviously a lesser human being. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, and I think that idea coupled with this misunderstanding of the horror comedy genre uh, is why 
we have so many other podcasts, YouTube videos, mm-hmm. air quote film critics who look at movies like Chopping Mall and they think, oh, this is awful. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know what? Chopping Mall, if I'm being honest, cannot hold a candle to a movie like Apocalypse Now or even The Witch or something like that. But why are you comparing the two? They're not meant to be compared. Right. They're not really meant to be compared because they both fill entirely different needs within... Not even different needs, just different desires within movies. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know what? I, I like it. Absolutely. I'm going to sit do down I. and I'm going to watch 12 chopping walls probably before I ever <laughs> get around to watching The Godfather. Well, yes, this is true. As ashamed as I am to <laughs> say that. <laughs> right, right. So I think that ended up being a little bit more soapboxy than I anticipated yeah. it being. We're allowed to get on a soapbox every now and then. But... That's a good trans. Well, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? I feel like you really covered it. I feel like people need to not view this podcast or or movies as, oh, this is what people say is good. This is what people say is bad. It's just... A movie and if you like it great and if you don't great like I'm not even saying that you have to enjoy our bad films if you only like pretentious art house films you're good lying for you. to yourself but you know go on no sure good for you like if that's what you like then good for you and I hope you enjoy and love yourself at the end of the day I like watching silly cheesy B movies that make me laugh and I have a good time watching them. And I think that's what the B um, genre, whatever it's called, I feel like that's what it was made for. It was made to be a way for, I would say, like quirkier individuals to find their love and also quirky individuals to make movies that they were either a passionate about or wanted a cash grab for. I mean, let's just be real. There's a lot of movies made just because they wanted money from them. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, okay. Um, thank you for your movie. It was enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. I've been, uh, I don't want to give anything away yet, but I've been mulling over a topic for a new film essay that I think might make people a little mad if they read it, but I think you're kind of overlapping with it a little bit, and that's the only tease that I'm going to (laughs) leave. Something I've become more and more aware of recently as I grow in my knowledge of this particular genre of film horror in this particular era is how many movies were made by people who were just balls to the wall, passionate and had an idea and just went for it. And Mm -hmm. they had an uncle die and they said, great, now I have money to make a movie. And they took their parents garage and turned it into a cave and went with it. And there are also people who have a boatload of money and they know what people want to see on screen 
exploding heads and boobies, and they just do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with either of them as long as you enjoy the product and you acknowledge the spectrum of everything. Absolutely. Chopping Mall was not one of those films, though, that was made out of love of the genre. It was made out of a need to fill a contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but that's okay, too, because they, they gave us this movie. Yeah. Jim Wynorski is one of those people who's a lot like David Dakota, where he knows what people want to see in a movie, and he's going to make that movie, and he's going to make sure people see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, nine times out of ten, they fall under my number one rule of life to live by, and that's everyone's a pervert. <laughs> yep. And uh, you know what? Sometimes I enjoy that. <laughs> uh, Jim Wynorski and directed another movie that we've talked about on our podcast. Uh Death Stalker 2, which also had John Trelesky in it, who was in this movie, as Mike Brennan, the gum-chewing jock. I don't. Jock, I mean, yeah. like, no one in this movie feels, fits into, like, an archetype except for Ferdy. It's, like, three cool guys who are popular and the glasses nerd who barely survives to the end. Yeah, he, he cheated off the final girl. Yeah, you know, Kelly Maroney, she didn't get her uh, her chance to uh, to be the final girl. I do want to say, uh, backing up just one quick second, there are a lot of movies that we've talked about when we started this podcast that we made a lot of fun of, and there are other movies that we've talked about since we decided to try to take these movies more seriously and treat them as their own thing and not bad movies that we still made fun of, and I regret that. Yeah. I I mean, I think there was part of me that wanted to copy that other podcast and fall into that mindset of using jokes in the movie mm-hmm. as my own form of, haha, like, look at how bad this movie is. Mm-hmm. But um, I hope that our audience can forgive us. And I hope that our audience appreciates the love and respect that we have for these movies, even when they are as nonsensical as Alien Private Eye. (laughs) That movie is phenomenal. You know what? That movie was made by someone who... Actually, I really can't say. There's not a lot of information out there about that movie. (laughs) Uh, So that brings me to my other topic... And that is the philosophy of a journey into film. And this is just real quick, because the idea of the of the blog has always been to grow in understanding. And I think through recording a hundred episodes of talking about these movies, I w- not only learned that I love them and mm-hmm. that they aren't worth making fun of even if they are silly sometimes and you know, you can get a good laugh when, mm-hmm. uh, what was the one thing I was just thinking of? Oh yeah. When Dick Miller shows up, but which, by fun. the way, if Dick Miller's in the movie, that should be your number one clue that this is a comedy and right. not something serious because I've never seen him in anything that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't funny in. 
Mm-hmm. Or he wasn't trying to be funny. Even uh, Little Shop of Horrors, I forget who he played in that, but in the original. Right. But I don't know. He's just he's just a weird guy. He's a cool guy. Oh, yeah. He's the guy that eats flowers, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, if you like the fact that we've changed our tune on making fun of these movies and that we want to share our love and respect of them, mm-hmm. then uh, check out with my blog that I never update. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got some good stuff on there for now. <laughs> Going to make some changes soon. We'll see. So uh, that being said... How do we make up for how we how poorly we talked about this movie the first time? We talk about how much we loved this movie. All right. Well, I feel like people have gotten that. Like they understand that from the first 25 minutes <laughs> of this episode. We talk about what this movie did well. Here's what this movie did well. First of all, the Killbots, super cool. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that they're not a Terminator-looking robot. I like that they're not a RoboCop-looking robot. These things are practical mm-hmm. for a mall. And really, it's exactly the kind... You know what? What's the... What, oh, my gosh. There's that commercial for those robot security systems that malls can buy. A real commercial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're really weird commercial. They're like... The future is now. And then it says, like, it's like, you go to, like, buyarobot.com or something weird like that. You watch more TV than me. I'm not sure. Like, we've seen it together multiple times now. I don't know. Someone listening is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. They're going to be screaming at us right now. Oh, my gosh. I have to to Google this. Uh, Buyarobot.com? Mall robot. Security. Here we go. Someone someone knows what's up. <laughs> I think it's I think this is it. The nightscope.com. But if you I mean if you look at the if you Google it and you look at the pictures, like it literally looks like a, a trash can on wheels. Mm-hmm. And like the robots in this movie do not look that much different from them and i think that is one some unintentional foresight on their part two they probably designed these robots or the kill bots just to be uh practical right rather than as quickly as possible i don't know they were kind of intimidating in my opinion like i wouldn't want to be stopped by one of these at night yeah but to be fair you also get freaked out by the train that runs amok at the Roanoke Mall. <laughs> well, you know, I don't like free robots roaming. <laughs> <laughs> or free trains. Or free trains. They should be on tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Not riding all over the mall. All right. That's a danger to society. Yeah. No, I mean, I think if I saw something like this in the mall in the middle of the night, I would be intimidated. But also, why am I in the mall in the middle of the night? I don't know. So, oh, and I just thought of something really great to talk about. And I lost it. Well, the robots looked phenomenal. And I think the... I thought it was interesting, too, 
and I'm sure it's just budgeting purposes, but like they only had three of them, and this mall had what nine levels. Yeah, that was uh, that's another one of those things that doesn't really fall into a joke territory. No, it's just, I I don't I'm not trying to like make light of it. I just thought it was even with three robots, still equally as terrifying even though they had so many levels to roam these robots were fast moving little ninjas well yeah because sometimes they could be silent and sometimes they were very loud (laughs) but also i like how when they're getting ready to like kill somebody or something they kind of like look at each other like are you ready for this (laughs) i love that they're back up there yeah they're like you got me okay (laughs) uh should be noted, uh, this movie was originally released under the title Killbots. Mm. You can find a trailer on YouTube where, with the original title. It was released in theaters as Killbots, but nobody went to see it. So they pulled it from theaters, slapped the name Chopping Mall on it, and they more people saw it that way. Although, like a lot of movies at the time, this got a second wind on VHS mm. because video stores. Yay. <laughs> There's in fact no chopping in this movie. No chopping. The I think ro- that's the robots didn't have chopping arms. No, I, I feel like anyone who talks about this movie has to make that joke. There's no chopping in chopping mall. <laughs> the, uh, the poster is a monster hand holding a shopping bag with a head in it. And it says, when shopping costs you an arm and a leg. Which is an amazing tagline. It's an amazing tagline. However, inaccurate. Uh, Shopping costs you a head. If you're uh, Susie Slater. Yeah. I forget her character's name for some reason. Yeah, Susie Slater. No, that's that's her actor's name. Oh, Oh. Leslie. Oh, oh just, character, yeah. Every time I say Leslie, I just I have to picture John Terleski chewing that gum in his <laughs> mouth, which was a choice that uh, he made. Definitely. Oh, you know what? I want to correct myself. I was wrong. There were five robots for this film. They made five. They made five. That's right. And how cool. They, they were constructed out of uh, wheelchairs, conveyor belts. And plastic children toys for their arms. Yeah, yeah, I actually, the first time I saw this movie, I wondered if those were like those little clamp things. I think it is. That's awesome. Something that I think is, I love catching in movies like this is when, uh, like, clearly the arm for the actual, like, monster or the killbot was not designed to move a certain way. But they have to cut, like, they have to shoot the scene in a particular way so that some guy with, like, a crane or, like, the the hand on a, like, stick can, like, move it in the way it's supposed to move out of frame. Like, when uh, the they have to blow the door down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, you can just tell that, really, those arms were just designed to go right. up and down and, like, <laughs> clap like little crabs. crabs. Yeah. <laughs> they were crab robots. Yeah. Cause you like they always like shake like you can always see the thing the hand like shaking a little bit and you're like <laughs> yeah that's not a robot that's right. a that's a claw in a yardstick right. <laughs> I also enjoyed how passionate 
these people were about the film. Yeah. I mean, they had to film this movie at night when the mall was closed. Yeah, and make sure that everything was set up and cleaned before they got there the next day. Yeah, and uh, Jim... Winorski. Winorski. He was... Uh, tried to convince all the actors and actresses to do their own stunts because couldn't afford to pay for stunt doubles. So he demonstrated one of the stunts himself and broke one of his ribs in the making of the movie and didn't tell anyone until the end of the film because he needed them to still go ahead and do their stunts. Yeah. The other thing about these low-budget movies <laughs> is they cut a lot of corners, and uh, people get hurt sometimes. Yeah. Them. But, but you this know, it, was only the, the producers or directors that got hurt, so yeah, uh, that's on him. Actually, every time I watch this, I do wonder if that's, uh, oh my god, uh, Rick... Russell Todd, mm-hmm. if he's actually like jumping from the top of the elevator to that like landing, I don't or if know. They yeah, actually managed to get someone to do that. Right. I I definitely don't think that's Barbara Crampton on fire because looks a little wiggy. Yeah. Whenever she's crawling around. Oh, uh, fire's a kind of big thing to risk. Yeah, you might want to actually hire someone. Let, let's just be glad that they didn't, you know, find a Kane Hodder as like a body double. <laughs> So, Chopping Mall is, uh, I feel like we're just talking about all these things that we love about it, but I want to do a little bit of a synopsis because, let's just be honest, no one should go back and listen to our first episode. Right. We didn't know what we were doing. It was really awkward. You were new to recording. I was new to recording with you. Mm -hmm. The segments that we did were god awful we started some kind of inside joke like not in the first episode but for a while we had an inside joke about <laughs> putting tom hardy and everything <laughs> uh. but here we are here we are actually i do kind of remiss when we when we used to talk about uh if we were to remake this movie <laughs> like who would we put in it yeah but okay so chopping mall Chopping Mall concerns a group of teenagers who get trapped in a mall overnight because who doesn't love having a party at a mall furniture store and some lightning causes the new robot security to go haywire and kill them. Hunt them down one by one and they have to survive until 6 a.m. Fun fact... The mall also has these Star Wars security doors that lock at midnight to 6 a.m. Why? This movie was under attack. I mean, this mall was under attack. I would love to know the loss rate of this mall if they felt the need to put these robots in and the Star Wars doors. The movie tells you the loss of the mall when that guy stole a whole record player under his shirt. I don't think it was a record player, but he stole more than one record. So many. To be sure. Should ask your dad if he ever stole a record. <laughs> this guy, he really, I mean, that's a good good loss to that store. I mean, at the time, how much, how much was a record back in the I'm day? I'm sure it was not cheap. 
Especially if you're buying it at the mall. Yeah. I love... One of the things I love about this is seeing these malls in their grand, like, at the, in their prime, back mm. when they had sporting goods stores and malls, paint Man. stores and malls. Malls used to be everything. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason that in Dawn of the Dead, they hunker down in a mall and they have everything. Right. And then in the remake of Dawn of the Dead, they're like, look, we have clothes and beds. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if back in the 80s, if I was trying to escape a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to the mall. I would have gone to this mall because, you know, nine levels. What did what did they have that we just didn't even see? I know. So much. So much. Uh, the other fun thing that I wanted to talk about. So uh, I mentioned that Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff are in this movie. They are actually reprising characters from another movie that they were both in together. A movie that you and I love called Eating Raul. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be listening to this saying, Nigel, why are they playing characters from <laughs> Eating Raul? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But I cannot figure... I don't know if somebody writing the screenplay said... I love this movie. Let's get these two people to be the same people. I feel bad for their characters because... They are not in this movie enough. Well, yeah, they're not in this movie enough. And there was a scene that they were supposed to be in that did not get shot, it sounds like. With the horse? With the horse. They're trying to sneak a horse into the mall. And the implication is that they're serving horse meat in their restaurant. (laughs) Which, uh, eating Raul is uh, about a couple whose dream is to open up a restaurant and they uh, kill people to uh, and serve them to their friends and family <laughs> to get the money to open up this restaurant. It sounds more disturbing than it is. It's actually it's a, it's, it's a comedy, movie. but mm-hmm. it's very funny, uh, especially if you enjoy Mary Warnoff and you kind of understand... Paul Bartel's sense of humor because he's got an, he's got a weird sense of humor. Like it could be easy to see that one as also like a bad movie versus a comedy. <laughs> so that's 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 a fun little anecdote that we didn't have the first time around because we just found out about eating Raul um, sometime recently. Well, within the last year, two years. Wow, we've been at th- we've been watching movies for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Not nowhere near stopping. No, we are not. This movie does also have the second best head explosion to any movie I've ever seen. Absolutely. Next to Scanners. Mm-hmm. If you've seen that gif around the internet. I think we need a gif of Susie Slater's head exploding. Why on don't the we? That's a great question. I'm going to make that and I'm going to start using that instead when I tell people that my mind is blown. <laughs> You know what this movie has going for it? What? I'm so proud of myself. I just thought of this. I, it has everything. Beers, babes, boobs, and bots. 
all the four B's we need to make a good film. I mean, they're only... <laughs> they're all, Joe Bob only has three B's. I know. I showed him up. I have four B's. You added the beers. Bots. Oh. So you, you swapped beasts for bots, mm-hmm. and then you added beers. Yeah. You could have just gone with beverages. That's another B. No, but it's better if you have beers. Every horror movie needs drunk teens. Yeah. Arguably the best horror movies Actually, have drunk teens. Actually, no, for the amount of alcohol that these teens drank, they were pretty good at functioning. And for the amount of sex that they have, <laughs> none of them are tired. Haha, <laughs> sex joke. But um. <laughs> Please don't spew all over <laughs> Don't say anything, so I'm taking a sip of water. Okay. We need to watch uh, more Jim Wynorski stuff because he's got some wild movies. I think we talked about how he kind of like, we talked before about how he kind of overlapped with softcore pornography for a while, but like his most recent movie, Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl, that just looks bonkers. And it's literally just all pictures of women in bikinis next to tiny models. Oh, boy. Yeah. There's, you know, there's something that I just can't put my finger on with modern movies that have 70s, 80s premises that just don't. They don't work today. I don't know if it's like it doesn't work or if I feel like it just it looks too glossy. They're like, yo, yeah, you know, I could shoot this movie with my iPhone. Like, I, I want mm. I don't know if like that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And like the graininess is what make like gives it kind of that charm. Or if it's just. I bad. definitely think the premises don't work today. I think it's just a sad yeah. reality of the world we live in where everything is over critiqued and. You can't say half the stuff anymore because people will sue you. He has a movie called Scared Topless that he directed under the name Harold Blueberry. Okay. That, I mean, we're not going to watch that on here. I just wanted to point out the... The wild. Oh yeah, he that that's right. We talked about this because he also did House on Hooter Hill as H.R. Blueberry. Uh, The Breastford Wives. Oh my gosh, this guy. Anyway. Anyway, Cheerleader Massacre. Mm -hmm. And these are all movies that have come out within the last twenty years. Oh boy. Okay, let's go back to Chopping Mall. Uh, there's a poster in this movie for his first mo- first film, The Lost Empire, which I think that we should talk about. Mm. He also did The Return of Swamp Thing, which we've almost watched multiple times. And uh, he directed Sorority House Massacre 2, which Sorority House... Did we... I can't remember if that's the one that we watched. There's so many sorority movies that we... Sorority Babes? That might be one. I don't know. Yes, yeah, Sorority Babes is a slime bowl bolorama. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about like college-based like sorority name, like House on Sorority Row. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorority House Massacre. It's hard to say what we watch for the podcast and what we watch for fun. Yes. 
Uh, so out of the cast, Kelly Maroney is the one that's probably the most famous. She was in uh, True Blood, most uh, well, not most recently, but she was on. That was a TV show that she did. She's in Night of the Comets, Fast Time at Ridgemont High, uh, Not of This Earth, Scream Queen Hot Tub Party with Linnea Quigley and Brink Stevens, and Michelle Bauer from our favorite Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowl Bowlerama, and uh, oh my gosh, what's the other one? Nightmare Sisters. Ni- yeah. Tony O'Dell, he's in The Karate Kid, Karate Kid Part 2. He's also in Cobra Kai, if you guys watched that. Russell Tott. You know what? The other thing that I really... I This is probably the, the thing that I think about the most when we watch this movie. Rick and Linda. Why are they hanging out with these kids? I know. I think I figured it out this last time. Okay. Is I want to see if it was the same reason I got. Is this official? I don't know. But it's headcanon now. I think Linda is Susie's sister. Oh, you think so? Yeah, because this is stupid reasoning. She calls her kiddo. <laughs> Which seems like a term of endearment from an older sibling to a younger sibling. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'll I'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking they were part of that friend group and got married too young and missed like all the little crazy stuff they did before they were married. At least the girl did. Yeah. That was that that has been my guess for a while, and that's probably more accurate because, uh, like Rick, he seems pretty friendly with Greg, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they have that whole conversation about how much he owes him for beer and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's probably more accurate. No, I really like yours though. I think that's a good. That would be cool. Like that's not really something that people say to other people unless like you have that kind of like like that doesn't even sound like a friendly thing to say it's Mm -mm. it's like it's more of like a almost like a mom to a daughter more than like for a it's almost like mom to a child sibling no one else should ever say that right I mean I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you like that. I'm making it canon now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You find anything else interesting over there? You've been very researchy this episode. I know. I feel like I need to know all the back knowledge on what makes Chopping Maw Chopping Maw. And honestly, I think it comes from a dedicated... Worker trying to make the best movie he was kind of forced into making. Yeah. the uh, Let's explain that for a second. So uh, Julie Corman, Roger Corman's wife, needed to make a mall-based movie. And she said, Jim Wynorski, make this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how that happened. Mm-hmm. And 
they wrote the script and they knocked it out. So they did a good job. Yeah, they really did. And it just goes to show you that uh, Roger Corman, if his finger's involved with it, it's probably good. It's probably going to be good in some way, shape, or form. There was a lot of references to his other films. So if you want to play like spot a Roger Cormick reference, I saw Slumber Party. Did you just call him Cormick? Yeah, I did. Roger Cormick? (laughs) Yeah, Roger Cormick. Uh, they had Slumber Party Massacre in there. Yeah, they did have that one. That's a that's a really good one. Man, I would love. Apparently, in Germany, the movie is still called Killbots. Okay. I love that on uh, on IMDb they show you the box art from other stores. This one, I think this is French, and the movie's just called Shopping. <laughs> That would be a very uh, different movie to walk into. That would be so funny. The other thing that I think is really funny is that they they took the like the font that was like very robotic and very eighties and mm-hmm. made it like look like blood is dripping down. So they're like, "Haha, it's a chopping mall." <laughs> and also, the monster hand is like all the wires and stuff. I think you summed up what makes Chopping Mall Chopping Mall. Mm -hmm. And that's the same sort of driven spirit that a lot of people had. I think you had a lot of actors who thought that they were doing something pretty amazing. Right. Who just loved acting. Mm -hmm. I think you had special effects people who loved what they were doing and a director who said, I'm going to make a boatload of money to make this movie Mm -hmm. because Roger Corman told me to. Right. And if I do it as quickly as possible, <laughs> I get more monies. I get all the monies. <laughs> Is yeah. it a perfect movie? I think so. I mean, I have no complaints. Each time I watch it, I love it more and more. This will always have a special place in my heart. True. What is your favorite kill in the movie? It's a tough question. Um, all right. You know what my favorite underrated kill is? I mean, how do you beat, you know, Leslie's head getting blown off? You know, you can't really beat that. That one's super cool. So I'm going to go with my favorite underrated kill. Okay. First, first kill of the movie. Robot just sticks his little hand right through that guy's throat. Right through it. Through his magazine, too. Through his magazine, right through his throat, and you just see, he's like looking at this magazine, you just see a hand come, whoop, and get him right in the throat. And I think that's pretty fun. Yeah. I also think that uh, Susie catching on fire is... That's a good one. ...pretty bonkers. Yeah. Uh, also, it's kind of wild that the lasers only make things explode <laughs> sometimes, but, you know, we'll just ignore that. Right. We don't need to get into that. Yeah. This movie is perfect. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't say enough about it in this episode. But... We want to leave some anticipation and eagerness for you guys to go watch it yourself. Yeah. The... 
kills are great. The way that they kill, the things that they say are great. This is another movie that's got great quotes. But seriously, I am putting out like an SOS. If I someone, wanted to talk about this earlier and I forgot. If someone knows what the saying is from, please contact me and tell me what it is from. They say this line up in those DMs. several times in the movie. They say, it is babe, isn't it? After calling someone babe. And I don't think that's a saying. I have researched it on all platforms that I know how. I don't think that was a saying anyone ever said in the 80s. But they thought it was the funniest thing. I also think it's the funniest thing. I mean, thing. it is, but I where did it come from? They say it like it's a thing. It's not a thing. Unless they made it a thing 20, 30, 40 years later. We're all saying, babe. It is babe, isn't it? <laughs> and that is the greatest prank. Robert, Robert McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> You're just making up names. Has ever played on society. Well, first of all, it's it's Julie Corman, his wife. No, but you know Robert was behind this. Roger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We literally said his name <laughs> probably half a dozen times at this point. <laughs> you know Mr. Blueberry was behind this. <laughs> Harold Blueberry. <laughs> he had this planned. Yes, he did. Uh... All right. The other fun line of this movie is, you smell like pepperoni. I like pepperoni. <laughs> oh, I always forget the girl's line because this is just so good. I got to jump to well, it. Well, if that's the way you're going to well, be. that's the way you're going to be. <gasps> Wait, Wait a minute. A minute. <laughs> I like pepperoni. He, he says, says it like such like a that. pervert, it's too. Just like that. <laughs> and it's the best. The best. It is. All right. What are your final thoughts on Chopping Mall and this episode of Bad Movie Date Night? I think we definitely gave this movie the credit that it deserved in this podcast because we were able to chat about the things that make us laugh about it. And I think that's all we can do to get people to watch this film and uh, hopefully it'll put a smile on their face. Yes, I agree. I love this movie. I love this podcast. I love the movies that we talk about. That being said, though, we have an announcement. We're going to take a vacation. Woo, vacations. Not really a vacation. We're going to just take a couple weeks off, a little hiatus, if you will. It's going to be like three weeks. Um, and in that time, we're going to keep recording episodes for you. We're going to keep, uh, we're going to look into some new th exciting things. I am particularly excited for our Andy Milligan series that we're going to do. We're going to knock out like 12 of his movies. Kaylin has no idea what she's in for. I'm pumped. <laughs> Andy Milligan's one of those people that you either love him or you hate him. So we'll see where Caitlin falls on this mm. spectrum. Uh, we're going to do a series on uh, sorority movies, some back to school stuff. 
I don't I don't know. I I made up really weird names for all these series <laughs> that I want to do. No, it we've sounds a, exciting. We have a Lindsay Lohan series coming up. Mm. Like three of her movies. Should probably do some more Paris Hilton stuff. That'd be fun. <laughs> but we want to know from you if there's anything that you want us to talk about. If you have a favorite bad movie that you think that more people should respect and you're sick and tired of calling it your guilty pleasure when it's damn good, let us know on the Twitters because that's the only place I interact with people. Just being honest. All right. Makes it easier when you all come to me. <laughs> <sighs> well, thanks thank for reals. I know I say thank you every week, but this is a genuine heartfelt thank you for the handful of people who have been listening to this episode, for the people who have hopped on and hopped off and who are just picking us up now, and even people who stopped listening to us because they decided we're... Too positive. Too positive or not positive enough, (laughs) or they just don't like us. That's an option, too. But thank you. I don't think... If no one listened to this podcast, I'm just being real honest. I would not do it. What was that look for? I don't know. I feel like you should do things because you like it, not for I, other people. I do <laughs> like doing it. But like, if I, if I check the downloads every week and just no one listened to it, I would think, well, I could just talk to you about <laughs> movies. I don't have to record all of my conversations. I don't know. Okay fine well okay i mean i like that people listen to us yeah if it's just a handful so the handful of people thank you that's my genuine thanks that's my genuine spontaneous last minute thought thank you but for those of you who are new hit that subscribe button don't miss an episode we're available on apple podcasts and spotify and pandora and iHeartRadio and all those other weird places that no one listens to podcasts well probably who knows maybe when i say that people are like i'm listening to this on (laughs) iHeartRadio. i'm i'm unsubscribing now right well you know what thank you too Mm -hmm. and if you're listening there now hit subscribe again if you want to support the show uh head over to patreon.com slash a journey into film or head over to t public and buy some cool shirts you can get a shirt with our catchphrase on it. Is this film a secret masterpiece? The answer. Or is this movie a secret masterpiece? Yes. The answer is always yes. <laughs> Links to those are available in the show notes. And just to reiterate, that didn't come out right. Mm-hmm. Just to reiterate, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Journey Into Film. And as always, never let anyone tell you that a film you enjoy is bad because they're probably wrong. Bye-bye.